So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Do you mind if I read verse 5 again? Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Sylvanius, a brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Let's, uh, let's pray and then get to work. <clears throat> God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity for us to gather together as a body and to study the word that you have persevered for us to speak to our lives, God. Lord, I pray that you would uh, free us from distraction, bind the enemy, God, and shine light on your son, the, the hero. God, draw us together, convict our hearts, give us encouragement, guide us as we, uh, we walk through this passage together. In Christ's perfect name, amen. Uh, <clears throat> so, there's a, there's a distinct beauty, and, and I'm excited to, to get to close a, a book it's it's really it's great to study in depth a book and then kind of reflect upon the whole of it, especially this one because the conclusion of this book is uh, kind of brings everything together. All that Peter has said up to this point, all that Peter has said 
and, and finishes with, with here is, is really very climatic. And, and it's, a, it's a big deal. And so it's, it's great. It's, there's a, a beauty to get to see all, all that's here. Um, the, the first few verses that I read, the first four verses, uh, we're not going to deal with much. I'll, I'll talk about them briefly in that it's calling shepherds of churches to uh, elders of churches to, to, to lead well and to follow Christ as the, as the chief shepherd and lead with humility. And then he begins to talk, starting in verse 5, about this concept of, of humility and as it relates to this, this concept of, of being anxious before God. And so um, we're going to spend a lot of our time talking about and thinking about what, what it looks like to be humble before God and, and how that relates to, to anxiety. And uh, I, I think that, I don't know, it's, it's not just me, it's everybody here. And specifically for, for me in the last seven months, and in particular the last few weeks, have been a really, really anxious time. And, and I know a big portion of you well enough to know that there's some pretty anxious things that are happening in your lives. And when we're faced with those things, it's, it's, it's really, really, really important to remain humble. And we'll talk about what that means because so many times when we hear humble, we think it's the opposite of pride. And what, is, what does that have to do with being anxious and, and trusting who God is? Um, hopefully, we're going to look at some of these scriptures and, and come to some conclusions on that one. Uh, but our, our challenge this morning is not just... Here's, here's the thing that I've been praying a lot about. Because when we talk about anxiety and God's response to anxiety... It can be very, very self-centered, right? You follow me? That I'm anxious. I don't want to be anxious. I want to trust God. God gives me whatever I need to not be anxious so that I'm not anxious anymore, so that I don't have this ridiculous sinking feeling in my chest when I go to the mailbox. We've been waiting for a check to come from the insurance company, and my contractor's not starting until we get this check and so I can get it to him, and so... It's supposed to be coming. It should have come like two weeks ago. It didn't come, whatever. And so every day I go to the mailbox and I have this anxious, sinking, awful, I hate this physical feeling in my chest. And so I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to have that. And so ridding myself of that anxiety is of great immediate personal benefit. You following that? Like, I don't feel that anymore. I don't want to feel that. And if I don't, thank you, God, for changing my current circumstance. And if we're not careful, when we're dealing with anxiety, when we're, when we're asking God to put it away from us, and, and God gives us the grace to put it away from us and to trust him, it can be a very self-centered thing. But when we view this text, talking about anxiety, through the lens that we're intended to view it through, meaning... Peter writing this to the nation of Israel who will be executed in grotesque ways and how these people 
showing a lack of anxiety and a complete faith and trust in who God is and how God purified them and, and what, how that must have been received by the Romans that were doing these awful things to them had to be a beautiful thing. So when God frees you from your anxiety, we can do two things. One, we can internalize it and, and focus it on ourselves and say, God, thank you for changing my immediate circumstance. Or we can shine a light on God because in the midst of these very trying, anxious times that bring you anxiety, you rest in who God is, that he is in control, and he is a mighty God who cares deeply for you, and draw attention to God in that. So it's really important to me, and my challenge this morning, especially because there's something very pressing on me personally, that I've been anxious about for seven months now. To not internalize this and not say, this is all about Rick. No, this circumstance is about Rick and how he can change it and draw attention to to a perfectly providing God. So that's the, the preamble to what we want to get to this morning. Four things I want to I want to point out to us. Four little statements, and we'll kind of bring stuff around them. First one is humble yourself by casting your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Humble yourself by casting your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. He, he's bringing this to light, uh, contrasting humility and anxiety. The ESV Study Bible. A note that it has about these two verses. This is in, in verse, verses 6 and 7. Uh, says this, Worry is a form of pride because it involves taking concerns upon oneself instead of entrusting them to God. Worry is a form of pride because it involves taking concerns that belong to God and taking them on yourselves. Look closely at these, at these two verses, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves. There's, there's a lot of very simple, straightforward commands for us. Humble yourself. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And, and he kinda, we can get confused with all the, all the commas and the parenthetical inserts of Peter here. But it says, ultimately, humble yourselves and do this by casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Two truths I want to, I really ridiculously simple truths about God that this brings out in front of us. First, God is mighty. And pay really careful attention here because you, you need a seminary degree to put in front of you what, what I'm getting ready to put in front of you. This is really really deep, profound, like hours and hours of studying. He's mighty, and he cares for you. See how I like exegeted this passage in a deep way to, to see? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. If God is mighty... 
and he cares for you, what are you worried about? I made this silly joke about the seminary degree because it's so ridiculously simple. This is so simple. And I'm going to ask you later on to think of, of something. For me, it's, my, it's getting back, moving into my house and getting the contractor paid and all that stuff. That's, that's my anxiety at the moment. And I, I want you guys to think through something that's pressing, weighing, it's giving you stress, it's giving you anxiety, that's making you anxious. Think about it. All right? Get something in your mind. God is bigger than that. And not only is he bigger than that, he cares for you. He loves you. He deeply cares for you. So stop carrying it. It's so simple. I want to read a few passages of Scripture just to pray that they would just wash over you on this notion. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. How simple. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Isn't it beautiful the things of God are so remarkably deep and filled with beauty, yet so simple. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You ever just wanted to like take a time out? Come to me, all who are all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Proverbs eighteen ten. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs runs into it and is safe. I like to get that image in my mind. A battlefield where death is happening everywhere. In the middle of this battlefield is a strong tower. Run into it. So simple. John Piper says, when God says he cares for you, it means he'll not stand by and let things develop without his influence. Man, the stuff just ought to make us just exhale. So, my mind goes to when we're thinking through this, goes to the provision of community in our lives. I want to ask a few questions about that thing I ask you to think about the anxiety. Um, what did you? What what did you do? What are you doing with that? With that anxious thing? That anxiety? Who knows? 
about it? Who knows about what's giving you anxiety right now? And not just who knows it on the surface, but who knows the depth of the stress it brings to you? Does your spouse know? Do your parents know? Does your community group know? Does somebody in this room know? We can't rely on our natural selves because we, our natural selves are going to wind up anxious. We need to be investing and living in relationships that direct our attention to God. In particular, these situations. Without deep and real community, this message that Peter is giving to us here is superficial And in a week, 10 days, it no longer has any relevance to us. In real community, we know the anxiety that we face, and thus we know the anxieties that people around us face, and then we can share these with each other and direct each other towards God. Do you think... Here's where I'm going to try and save us from being us centered here in this moment. Let's look, think back to, to these people in this situation who in six to nine months, friends, family themselves will be executed by being impaled and set on fire. Do you think that that anxiety that, that is brought by that is, is of some sort of value to hold on to? Or do we want to lay it on God? Is, is whatever's pressing in on us anywhere near that? God wants to give all of us rest. What, if husband and wife, no kids, living in, in the, the first century Jerusalem, the Romans come in and are killing people. What the, the husband is killed, what, what kind of anxiety is pressing in on this wife that's living alone? This is vital for us to be living in this real sort of life community because left to ourselves, we're going to squander and fall and retreat. And we'll talk about that as, as he keeps on going here, the second thing to, to bring to our minds, be focused and pay attention because there's a real enemy to you out there. Look at verse 8. This is beautifully written. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Sometimes we can be confused. We can look at Scripture and be confused about what this is telling us to do. Not this one. This is a short, quick sentence telling you to do two things. Be sober-minded and be watchful. In the midst of this pressure, this anxiety, this world that we're living in, all of this, this need to be humble and give ourselves and our troubles to God. 
because he's mighty and he cares for us. Two simple things. Be sober-minded and be watchful. Be of focused mind, unhindered, focused mind, and pay attention. Because there's an enemy. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Again, very simple. We have an enemy. His name is Satan. He wants to devour you. Don't be confused. You have an enemy. His name is Satan. He wants to devour you. Anybody confused? And it's real. And how do we deal with it? Be sober-minded. Pay attention. Be focused. Pay attention. My kids sometimes play in the fenced backyard. Sometimes they play in the front yard. When they're in the fenced backyard, I worry a whole lot less for them than when they're playing in the front yard. When they're playing in the front yard around 4 o'clock, to five o'clock, I'm really concerned. In fact, they're, ne- they're very rarely out there without Jen or I or somebody, an adult being out there because cars just fly up and down our street. If they're in the backyard, not so much worried. Middle of the afternoon on a Saturday on the front yard, not so much worried. Four o'clock on a Friday, I'm really worried I'm out there paying attention because there's a very pressing danger to them. Why am I paying attention? Because there's a very pressing danger to them. There's a very pressing danger to you all the time. Right now, here, in this moment, a very pressing danger to you. He's a roaring lion and he wants to devour you. And... There's, there's a movie quote. A lot of you guys will know it. The, the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world that he didn't exist. That's actually some French philosopher from the 1600s that actually wrote that for the first time and quoted again in The Usual Suspects. And it's absolutely true for us here and now. And absolutely true in the garden. Go back, think through the garden, the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3. Adam and Eve living in perfect communing fellowship with God and with each other and with the world. Satan comes, a very real, very present enemy. They don't see him. They're not sober-minded and paying attention and dismiss him immediately. They engage him. And he convinces them that God doesn't like them, that God doesn't have their best interest in mind, that God is out to get them, and he's holding out on them. And so they go, and they grab for themselves, they eat of the fruit that they're not supposed to eat of, because they don't trust God. They're not completely surrendered to God. And so they partake of the sin. They want to gain for themselves 
I'm mightier than God, or I can provide for my joy better than God can. And the result of that is they come to this realization, oh man, I've really messed up, and here comes God again, and they go and they hide. When we are not focused and sober-minded and paying attention, we can run from God. And we, the root of sin says this, I am responsible for my well-being. The root of anxiety says, I am responsible for getting myself out of this mess. It's easy to see when we're talking about sin, I'm responsible for my own well-being and my own joy. But anxiety is really telling yourself that I am responsible for this present situation. If I don't do something, nobody is. And we wind up running from God, hiding from God, being outside of intended relationship that, that God has for us. A couple of series ago, we came up with two short, simple phrases that are really important for us to have in our brains all the time. First, you have one enemy, and his name is Satan. You have one hope, and his name is Jesus. Really simple. We can, I can call my mortgage company an enemy. I can call my insurance company an enemy. I can call some contractor an enemy. I can call the weather an enemy. I can call a tornado an enemy. But ultimately, I have one enemy that's trying to keep me from the ultimate prize. His name is Satan. And I can call my contractor or my insurance company or my mortgage company when they finally do come through and do what they said they were going to do. I can call them my hope because I'll get to move into my house again. Or I can call my house my hope. But those things are all fleeting and can change and can go away. There can be another tornado tonight. You have one enemy, his name is Satan. You have one hope, and his name is Jesus. Everything else is distraction from those things. Second thing, Satan intends for you to be alone. Go back to the garden. Every sin, Satan intends for you to be alone. And Jesus intends for you to be in perfect relationships. The third thing to bring in front of us is faith is your tool to resist your enemy. Faith is your tool to resist your enemy. Faith is where trust and surrender meet. Faith is an elevation of trust to a place where if whatever it is you're placing your trust in fails, you're done. You're toast. You can't, you're, you're finished. That's faith. It's betting everything that God is in fact mighty and God does in fact care for you and did in fact send Jesus to rescue you, and he is your only hope. Uh, I'm going to tell two quick stories. One of them uh, happened in Edwardsville, where Jen and I were living in Edwardsville for a while in an apartment, and we were, our, our bedroom was like set up this way, where our bed is here and our door is like right in front of our bed. And earlier that day, we had changed our bed to 
shifted it, right? So now our bed's facing this way, and our doorway is still over there, all right? And Brianna is, what is she, seven or eight, six, right? She calls out, Daddy, help! It's like two in the morning. Like she's having a, a bad dream. She starts screaming whenever Daddy help. And my mind is still here, but I'm here. I rise from the bed and smack right on the floor, almost knock myself out. And it's two in the morning, and Jen is in the bed still. Brianna's crying, and I'm moaning. So Jen gets up and goes to Brianna. Uh, And I struggled in there somehow later. I don't know what happened. Uh, I blocked it out either because it's embarrassing or because I knocked myself out. One of the two. So then uh, another story is um, April 24th of this year. We were in this room and I was sitting on a stool right over there. And tornado sirens were going off and so we went back there and somebody whispered there's a tornado down in Ferguson and then Jen starts trying to call Brianna because she's at home and we're here and can't get through, can't get through, can't get through Eric and Travis figure out that there's something in Ferguson and try and go and check on Brianna not really freaking us out so they're like walking out to the back door, right through, right, right through here. And at that moment, Jen gets a text that reads something like, tornado, roof is collapsed, I'm bleeding, please help. Jen gets that, grabs my attention. We're still back there. We take off sprinting, meet Eric and Travis and Megan halfway across this room, and Travis drives about 80 down <laughs> it was really fast. Uh, down Florissant Road because we got to get to her. We got to get to her. We don't know what's happening. We meet her at the top of our street, and she is face full of blood and hair full of attic insulation, and we don't know what's going on with her. She's got a pretty large cut here on her forehead. She appears to be all right, but we don't know. The point is, when difficulty comes, when, when hurt, pain, worry, fear, you have a God that will do anything to get to you. I'm a stupid guy. And I jumped up and took off running as fast as I could to get to my six-year-old daughter and knocked myself out. Same daughter, 12 years later. She's hurt. We got to get to her. When When you see, when you think through that idea, that understanding, and then... Think through the the first few words of the verse that everybody here knows. For God so loved the world. 
Man, he labored and he suffered and he was abandoned and he left perfect heaven to come live on this sin-soaked earth to rescue you. What are you worried about? And I think back to what I said last week, the question that I asked Mia. Why did God give you to me to make my heart happy? Why did God give me to you to protect you? Man, if, if I could know that in the midst of my pressure and anxiety and stress and whatever, God has given so many gifts. Most importantly, most effectively, his son to rescue you and I. All we need to do is trust. And God is doing things all the time to get us to elevate our trust to him where we say, God, I bet everything on you. When Brianna is at the, under a tree in our house, on the steps, bleeding, scared to death, crying. She's lived through enough life to know, call mom and dad. We need to have lived through enough life to know, call our perfect and holy God, and he will come. And it makes me think of that ridiculous poem that's at your grandma's house on the wall with the two sets of footprints. <laughs> but it's, it's true. It's beautiful. He has labored to get to you. It's never, ever in doubt. The last thing to put in front of you. God will give you gifts to restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Those are some powerful, powerful words. It's beautiful. Look at verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace. Grace is our gifts that have been given to you that you don't deserve. The God of all gifts has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Will himself, he's going to do it, restore you. Restore means to render complete. Right now, we are not complete, but God will render you complete himself. He will confirm you. Confirm means to, to place firmly, to establish firmly. Firmly, no tornadoes knocking that tree out of the ground. 
He will strengthen you simply to make you strong. God is making you strong. He's giving you grace gifts to make you strong. And he's using hardship and difficulty as the platform, as the vehicle to make you strong. And he's going to establish you to lay the foundation to make you stable. And then the, the last words, the verses 12 through 14 are really just sort of, here's the people that have written this letter. Here's, I want you to, it's, it's not vitally important truths for us to, to bring about. So verse 11 is the conclusion of Peter's words to the world. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. To him be dominion. That means power, control, authority. I have said all of these things to say this one thing. God, you're in control forever and ever. Amen. So be it. Let it be done. going to read one verse to you, two verses. In conclusion, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. I'm going to read that one again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is working all these things together, moving them and working them all together. And he has given to you the power needed to get through that for the purpose, not of yourself, but so that people and culture and yourself and those around you will pay attention to the great glory that's in Christ Jesus. Amen. So be it. God is calling you to lay down your worry, your anxiety, because he's got it under control. He's mighty and he cares for you. Let's pray. God, you are remarkable. You are beautiful. You are perfect. You are in control. God, I pray that you would uh, guide and shepherd us through these moments of response, Father. Connect our hearts with your beauty. God, teach us to trust you. God, teach us to give ourselves completely to you. Father, draw 
us into your kingdom. It's in Christ's perfect name.